Welcome to Rapidly Rotating Records, an hour of toe-tapping music from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s with yours truly, Glenn Robison. We've got dance bands, hot bands, sweet bands, show tunes, novelty tunes, blues, jazz, and more on everything from Aeolian to Xenophone and by everyone from Aronson to Zerky. On this week's show, we'll celebrate Robert Hood Bauer's birthday, we'll do some moaning, try to bring some more reason to the world, and play One Thing thing in Common. common. And we'll finish up with a recitation for Memorial Day. Last week, May 24th, marked the birth in 1877 in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, of composer, conductor, and musical director Robert Hood Bowers, the oldest of four children born to Oliver C. Bowers and the former Ellen Graham Heiser. At 14, he entered Franklin and Marshall College in Lancaster, where he was in the college orchestra, Glee Club, and was leader of the Mandolin Club. Following his graduation in 1899 with a master's degree, he worked in the music department of Cheltenham Military Academy, but continued studying music at the Conservatory of Chicago, where he won a gold medal in 1902. He married Virginia Belvin on September 16, 1905, and the following year had their only son, also named Robert Hood Bowers, who became a professor of English at the University of Florida. The elder Bowers composed songs, school music, operettas, and musicals, as well as musical scores for some of the most popular silent films of the late teens and early 20s. He also worked as a conductor for Victor Herbert and on radio stations WMCA, WEAF, and WOR, as well as for the Columbia Phonograph Company. He was employed at the School of Radio Technique at the Rockefeller Center as the head of the musical department for five years before his death on December 29, 1941. He's buried in Cedar Grove Cemetery in Chambersburg.
afraid of lions because I used to live on a farm where there were thousands and thousands of lions. What kind of lions? Uh, dandelions. And our, our farm is out in Oklahoma, Oklahoma Indian Territory. Where? Indian Territory. Territory. Oklahoma Indian Territory. You mean territory. I, I can't say territory. Well, you just said it. Well, I, I didn't mean to. Well, where is this Oklahoma? Oh, it's way out in Africa. Where? Africa. South Africa. And we got a lot of wild animals on our farm. We, we got a rhinosaurus. A rhinosaurus what? A rhinosaurus. You, you heard me. You ain't blind. There's an animal got a great big mouth like that. Look, look like your brother-in-law. And then, then we got another animal there. They always show his comical called the Ephemaflunt. No, the the Hippomaflunt. A what? A big animal, look like a mouse. But, but you, you wouldn't know what it is. Why, certainly I know what it is. You're talking about the elephant. Yeah, I believe that's what it is. A big tall animal got, got two tails. Hmm. No two tails. Sure. No, that big thing in front, that's the elephant's trunk. Well, that, that little one behind must be its vanity case, hmm? What'd you know about that, huh? Well, did you have any windmills? Yeah, we, we had two windmills, but we have only one windmill now. There wasn't enough wind for two, so we took one down. Well, did you have any pigs? Yeah, we, we had a black pig, and his name is Ink. We call him Ink because he runs out of the pen. And then we, we got black hen. We got black hen layers white eggs. Well, I don't see nothing wonderful in that. No, there ain't nothing wonderful in it, but uh, you couldn't do it, could you? Hmm? Well, uh, how much do you get for your eggs? Oh, we get ever so much for eggs. We, we get 35 cents each for eggs. 35 cents? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's a lot of money for one egg. Yeah, but that, that's a whole day's work for a hen. You, you got to look at that. What? Hmm? And we, we had a lovely horse there, but I had no hay for the horse, so I traded the horse away for two loads of hay. And then I had no horse to eat the hay. But the man I traded was a nice man, and he loaned me the horse until he ate the two loads of hay. And now we got reciprocity. George Moran and Charles E. Mack with The Two Black Crows, Part 5. There were four records and eight parts to the Two Black Crows series, and Charles Mack wrote all of the sketches. Parts 5 and 6 were recorded November 14, 1927, and issued on Columbia 1196-D. For Robert Hood Bauer's last birthday salute, we played three of his compositions. This time, we present him in a couple of different roles, and one of them was in that record right there. Bowers played the piano accompaniment on the first six of the two Black Crows records. He also accompanied dozens of other vocalists on records on both piano and organ, including Jones and Hare, the Shannon Quartet, and its individual members in their solo recordings, and Elmer Rodever. Before the Two Black Crows was another of Bauer's compositions, the Tango Foxtrot, Rose of Chile. 
That was Sam Lennon's Roseland Orchestra from Columbia A2943, April 28, 1920. Victor Herbert was for a time America's most popular composer of major orchestral works and musical plays. One of those was the operetta The Red Mill. It opened on Broadway at the Knickerbocker Theater on September 24, 1906, and ran for 274 performances. One of Victor Herbert's most well-known tunes is from The Red Mill, Wedding Bells, or Badinage. It started off the segment performed by the Columbia Symphony Orchestra, conducted by Robert Hood Bowers. Bowers made a number of records with the Columbia Symphony Orchestra. That one, Columbia 1297-D, February 6, 1928. I'm Glenn Robison, and you and I are listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. I thought I was going to run out of time on last week's show to play High Rhythm and Low Moanin' by the Crackerjacks, so I had penciled it in on this week's playlist to start off a set of moans. As it was, I did play it last week, but here's that set of moans anyway, starting off with Fletcher Henderson's Connie Zinn Orchestra. Chased away, come let your soul be saved today. Moan you moan sing hallelujah, blood of the lamb. Let your voices rise. Hear me talking to you, ain't no time to sham. If you want to get to paradise, you must repent without a doubt. And let the good Lord hear you shout. Religion turns you inside out. Moan, you moan
the Six Brown Brothers saxophone sextet with that moaning saxophone rag from Victor 17677, November 20th, 1914. The group started in 1906 as a saxophone quartet playing in the Ringling Brothers show and was led by Canadian clarinetist Tom Brown, who wrote that moaning saxophone rag, along with Harry Cook. Before that, the Missourians with Missouri Moan, from Victor V-38067, June 3, 1929. The Missourians were formed in the early 20s by Wilson Robinson as Wilson Robinson's syncopators. In 1925, Andrew Preer took over and the group played at the Cotton Club as Andrew Preer's Cotton Club Orchestra. When Preer died in 1927, Duke Ellington took over, and in 1929, Cab Calloway led the group off and on, eventually becoming the Cab Calloway Orchestra. On this particular recording, the group was led by Lockwood Lewis, who played alto sax. You also heard R.Q. Dickerson on trumpet, Andrew Brown and George Scott on reeds, and trombonist DePriest Wheeler. Missouri Moan was written by Jimmy E. Smith, who also brought us Lineman's Serenade, and who broke the lock on the henhouse door. We started moaning with Moan You Moaners. That was Fletcher Henderson's Connie Zinn Orchestra on Victor 22698 from April 29, 1931. Spencer Williams wrote Moan You Moaners. And I have one thing to say to everyone. Quit your moaning. By request, here's another episode of One Thing in Common. You know, that's where we play three songs which seemingly have nothing whatsoever to do with one another, yet have One Thing thing in in common. After you who could supply my sky of blue After you who could I love After you why should I take the time to try For who else could qualify After you who hold my hand and swear you'll never cease to care for without you there what would i do i could search years but who else could change my tears into laughter after you though with joy i should be reeling But at last she came my way There's no further use concealing That I'm feeling far from gay For the rare allure about her Makes me all the plainer see How inane, how vain, how empty Life without her
to you Who could supply my sky of blue After you Who could I love After you Why should I take the time to try For who else could qualify After you Who hold my hand and swear You'll never cease to care For without you there What would I do? I could search years But who else could change my tears Into laughter after you? Thank mm-hmm. you.
Ray DaCosta, November 4th, 1933, from HMV B8066, and her piano solo of I've Got You on My Mind. Django Reinhardt recorded Night and Day no fewer than five times over 15 years, the first with Stefan Grappelli and the Quintet of the Hot Club of France on January 31st, 1938, in London. And before Ray DaCosta, we heard that recording from Decca F6616. We started this edition of One Thing in Common with Fred Astaire and After Yoo-Hoo. Oh, wait, uh, there's a comma in there. After you, who? Punctuation matters. That was British Columbia 78, number DB-1215, recorded May 23, 1933. So what's the one thing in common? Well, those are all songs from the Broadway musical Gay Divorce. It starred Fred Astaire and Clara Luce and opened on Broadway at the Ethel Barrymore Theater on November 29, 1932, but moved to the Schubert Theater on January 6, 1933, closing on July 1st, after 248 performances. It was also a 1934 musical film starring Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, retitled The Gay Divorcee, but the only one of those three songs in the film was Night and Day. Thanks for playing One Thing in Common. I'm Glenn Robison. Wait, let me turn off the echo. I'm Glenn Robison, and the show is Rapidly Rotating Records. A couple of weeks ago, we had a segment on reason. There's still too little reason in the world and this country, so as a public service, here's another reasonable segment. 
We've had abbreviated segments with only one or two records, but this is an extra-large mega-jumbo segment with five and maybe even six records in it. What's the reason I'm not pleasing you? If you must keep me in doubt, how will I know what to do? You can change me about, I'll be what you want me to. Oh, I try and I try, still I never satisfy. But tell me what's the reason I'm not pleasing you? Just wasted 
Joseph Rines and his Hotel St. Regis Orchestra with Cole Porter's For No Rhyme or Reason. Joe Rines did double duty directing the band and singing For No Rhyme or Reason on Victor 26022, recorded August 4, 1938. It was written by Cole Porter for the two-act musical You Never Know, which opened at the Winter Garden Theater on September 21, 1938, but you only had 78 chances to catch it. Violinist, band leader, and vocalist Joe Rines was born in Boston on October 1, 1901, and he'll be getting his own birthday segment for the first time on the October 2nd show. The 20-story St. Regis Hotel was built in 1904 by John Jacob Astor IV on East 55th Street between Madison and Fifth Avenues and was named after Upper St. Regis Lake in the Adirondacks, which in turn was named for the French Jesuit priest Jean-Francois Regis, known for his hospitality to travelers. And I'm happy to say the St. Regis Hotel is still very much with us, providing butler service for every room. Before For No Rhyme or Reason, we heard Bob Smith and his ideal band with Big Reason Blues. I have no personnel listing at all for Bob Smith and his ideal band, but they were a British outfit, and I did find a British LP with 14 of the recordings on it, and it's now on the way to me, so you'll likely be hearing more from Bob Smith. Rust's British Dance Bands on Record lists only four sides for the group, including Big Reason Blues, recorded in London in November of 1930, issued on Beltona 1607. And that's the only recording of Big Reason Blues I could find. Now, in the last Reason segment a couple of weeks ago, I played What's the Reason, and we started this set with What's the Reason, just not that one. This What's the Reason is actually What's the Reason I'm Not Pleasing You, and was composed by Pinky Tomlin and Earl Hatch, with the words by Jimmy Greer and Coy Poe. It was performed by George Scott Woods and the Six Swingers on Regal Xonophone MR-1732, recorded May 20th, 1935. George Scott Woods did triple duty on that one, arranging, directing, and playing piano. Continuing this Reason segment, here are the Mound City Blue Blowers. Put me on the spot till I get old. 
then I'll hold it back. Just tell Jelly Roll, all because we always had a different view. I never had a reason to believe in you.
Also in the May 15th Reason segment, I played For No Reason at All, and cautioned it was not to be confused with For No Reason at All in C. Well, you just heard For No Reason at All in C, performed by Tram, Bix, and Eddie. That, of course, would be Frank Trumbauer on C melody sax, Bix Beiderbeck on piano, and Eddie Lang on the sixth string. Tram and Bix wrote the tune, recorded May 13, 1927, issued on OK 40871. Before that, the Mound City Blue Blowers with Red McKenzie playing comb and paper and singing the vocal refrain on Never Had a Reason. That's from Victor V-36087, recorded September 25, 1929. Never Had a Reason was written by Red McKenzie and drummer Frank Josh Billings. Other members of the group were Jack Bland, guitar, Eddie Condon, banjo, Pops Foster on string bass, and Jack Teagarden playing trombone. Tomorrow is Memorial Day, and not to bring you down, but the last record on tonight's show is not a toe-tapping tune. In fact, it's not a tune at all, but a recitation by Harry E. Humphrey of Francis Miles Finch's poem entitled The Blue and the Gray. Francis Miles Finch was born June 9, 1827, and was an American judge, poet, and academic. He was educated at Yale, but was closely associated with Cornell University. He wrote poetry throughout his life, but turned down a chair in rhetoric literature at Cornell, considering his poetry to be merely incidental to his legal career. His poem, The Blue and the Gray, was inspired by a Women's Memorial Association in Columbus, Mississippi, who on April 25, 1866, tended the graves of Confederate and Union soldiers, treating the dead from both sides as equals. It was published on September 14, 1867 in the Planter's Banner, a local newspaper of Franklin, Louisiana. The poem memorialized the soldiers who fought and died for both sides, but to Finch, little honor came from the Civil War, merely pointless destruction and death for soldiers fighting for their causes. The recitation is by Harry E. Humphrey, whom you've heard a couple of times on the show. Elocutionist Harry E. Humphrey was the most prominent performer of spoken word recordings on Edison discs, but he also recorded for Victor, Columbia, Pathé, and Emerson. In addition to recitations, he also recorded explanatory talks about various operatic arias, sometimes called appreciations, on dozens of diamond discs. On a number of blue amberol cylinders, he gave educational lessons on civics, dictation, and spelling. He was also a character actor, having begun his stage career in San Francisco, and in 1911 he toured the Orpheum circuit playing Scrooge in an adaptation of Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Toward the end of his career, he played the Old Ranger on radio's Death Valley Days. Humphrey recorded the Blue and the Gray at least three times in 1913. For Edison on Blue Amberall Cylinder number 1653, and for Columbia on June 30th. In the Victor Studios, he tried it twice on January 24, 1913, but those efforts were rejected. He came back almost a month later, and Take 3 from February 28th was issued on Victor 17310. I play it as a reminder that Memorial Day is not a celebration or happy holiday. Please don't wish people a happy Memorial Day. It is a day of mourning, remembering, and honoring those who have lost their lives in service to our country. 
While you can certainly enjoy the day, gathering with friends, a big barbecue, or however you'll spend the day, at 3 p.m. local time, take a few moments in silence to remember and for thanks and gratitude. While I won't wish you a happy Memorial Day, I do wish you a most meaningful Memorial Day. I'm Glenn Robison, and I'm very pleased that you've chosen to spend this past hour with me listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. I thank you for your very kind attention. By the flow of the inland river whence the fleets of iron have fled, where the blades of the grave grass quiver, asleep are the ranks of the dead. Under the sod and the dew, Waiting the judgment day, under the one, the blue, under the other, the gray. These in the robings of glory, those in the gloom of defeat, all with the battle blood gory in the dusk of eternity meet. Under the sod and the dew, waiting the judgment day, under the laurel, the blue, under the willow, the gray. From the silence of sorrowful hours, the desolate mourners go, lovingly laden with flowers alight for the friend and the foe, under the sod and the dew, waiting the judgment day. Under the roses, the blue, under the lilies, the gray. So, with an equal splendor, the morning sun rays fall. With a touch impartially tender on the blossoms, blooming for all. Under the sod and the dew, waiting the judgment day. Broidered with gold, the blue, mellowed with gold, the gray. So, when summer calleth on forest and field of grain, with an equal murmur falleth the cooling drip of the rain under the sod and the dew, waiting the judgment day. Wet with rain, the blue. Wet with rain, the gray. Sadly, but not with upbraiding, the generous deed was done. In the storm of the years that are fading, no braver battle was won under the sod and the dew waiting the judgment day under the blossoms the blue under the garlands the gray no more shall the war cry sever or the winding rivers be red they banish our anger forever when they laurel the graves of our dead under the sod and the dew, waiting the judgment day. Love and tears for the blue, tears and love for the grave. 